Okay. Oh, yes, we are. Okay, good. Let me cross that out, turn the Wi-Fi off, and let's get this party started. Okay. So we go live in three, two, hit record, and one. Hallelujah. Well, hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Is there a thing like, I think usually it's happy Sunday, right? People usually prefer, or happy, thank God it's Friday. What is a Monday greeting? <laughs> I don't know. If anyone knows um, what the um, popular greeting for Mondays is, please let me know. Hello, Tick Christini. Welcome. Auntie Rhoda, welcome. Ithiok, welcome. Okay, give me one second here. Let me see something. Good morning. <laughs> Wait, it, did you mean that uh, good morning is a happy Monday greeting? <laughs> I think that's really funny. That's what you meant. That's the Monday greeting. <laughs> good morning. That's a good one. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. I'm recording. I think we're live on Instagram. Are we? Yes. Okay. So. Um, all right. I think we're good to go. All right. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> that was really funny, bro. All right, welcome. Uh, my name is Francis Seaboard Jr. And on behalf of Pastor Francis Seaboard, I'd like to say welcome to Word for Now. Let me get ProPresenter um, going up in here. I don't think I have the, yep, I don't think I have the brand going either. But um, this is Word for Now. Hallelujah. Um, a um, hmm. ProPresenter is also blessed. We call you blessed in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. But word for now is an expression of happy Monday, Auntie Rhoda. Yay. As an expression of um, our Crystal Rivers, um, an expression of Crystal Rivers. Um, we were instructed to do this, I think it was last year, to make sure that the body stays connected irrespective of our location. And the emphasis was, was um, heightened because of things like COVID and all that, you know, not fun stuff, I guess. <laughs> All right, I think I got ProPresenter going here, so we are good to go. And this is the official graphic right here. Yes, okay. And um, we are continuing on this tangent from our recently concluded Watchman Prophetic Conference. And um, our let's see, objective goal um, was um, to make sure that everything that the Lord committed to our hands, we received and digested and responded to. And um, you already know the drill. We've been at this now for a while. Um, a major goal was feasting on what the Lord brought our way. And so the subject of the seven feasts came up. I just realized I don't have my watch on me. You guys want to trust the Lord to keep me accountable as far as time is concerned. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. And um, during that conference, we came into a seven, a window, a seven-year window. Um, and they, you know, whenever you hear seven years, what comes to mind? Many things come to mind, right? Um, one thing that comes to my mind, though, is like you know Joseph. You know the vision that Pharaoh had of the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. And if in these these seven years were meant to come into something, um, something that's expected of us, uh, we're going to need that Josephine wisdom, if you, if if that makes any sense. I hope what I'm saying making sense. And um, we need that wisdom on how to stock up, on how to um, receive, digest, store, grow fat with the things that God has our way. So that during the times of famine, we're going to have abundance. Amen. All right. 
um, I hope, I don't know how many of you were able to um, receive or be blessed by the 12 hour prayer stretch during the recently concluded Daniel Company team camp, um, Sons of Light. That meeting was, I thought it was so much fun. Uh, we had lots of young people, um, younger than usual for our Daniel camps. Uh, what I discovered though was that they were, I would say like in the lower teens, that, that, that age group or whatever, I would say that they were, um, most of their, most of the usual Daniel camp attendees, um, because of the ASU strikes, um, because the ASU strike was lifted, they were allowed to go back to school. So many of them had to go back to school like right away. I know people that by Sunday night, Cam, someone, someone called it Cam Josiah Pro. Um, someone called it Cam Josiah Pro Max, but then he took the Max off because they were all so young. But it was incredible watching these little children, um, young teenagers, um, pray 12 hours. Man, that was incredible watching them. I mean, they weren't just like chugging along. The last hour was, you know, kind of ghetto. But anyway, <laughs> the, all the other hours, though, it was bam, bam, bam. First hour, boom. Second hour, boom, you know. And different windows here and there where I saw, you know, I bore witness to them genuinely pushing through. And it was so encouraging. And you could see, you could tell the fruit from you know what happened they were so richly blessed and i was I, I was definitely blessed i feel like i think 12 hours in today's day and age all the distractions of life 12 hours is a good is a good period of time for like praying uh, spending time with the lord that gives you enough time to properly break through distractions and generally build up and i mean like make tangible progress so i recommend 12 hours one of my friends would say the same thing he was i think he, he would say six hours minimum for every believer, but I think 12 hours, like six hours has kind of become routine, um, but I think 12 hours is kind of a good, you know, it really hits the spot if that makes sense. So that was really amazing. And I'm so grateful to the Lord for that. So we are continuing. Um, we have been talking about the Jewish wedding feast, amen. Um, if you remember um, last week, um, we spoke about, let me see if I have my notes, I gotta go back. For some reason, my notes are not showing up the way they should. Let's get these party, these party, let's get these party going, okay. Says Bible studies. What did I? Was it to be craft? It was an IA writer. There we go. That's it right there. Cool. Got my notes here. All right. Cool. So we have the kiddushin and the nisuin, the two parts of the Jewish wedding, and um, this is all a part um, or an illustration of our journey through the seven Jewish feasts. I'm going to put that on the screen right now. The seven Jewish feasts. Hallelujah. We have gone through the spring feasts, and that's Passover. Unleavened bread and first fruits. And we last hit, we hit Pentecost twice just because of how peculiar it was and how difficult it was to explain it. And just also because of like the confusion revolving around it. Because Pentecost is one that everyone thinks, okay, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, therefore I've experienced Pentecost. And in a way, you, you have technically experienced every single feast by virtue of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you, even before you got that. Um, um, infilling of the Holy Spirit that brought you to speak in tongues, amen, that activated tongues in you. But um, the Feast of Pentecost, there's actually, um, there's actually um, requirements. There's actually, there's some things that have to be in place. You don't just partake of Pentecost, so to speak, or whatever. You have to wash your clothes. You have to go through all these preparations. All these things that have to be done first. And if you haven't gone through, and I say that because we have many believers who, Maybe they speak in tongues, but you can tell they haven't had, they haven't partaken of unleavened bread yet, if that makes sense. 
maybe they maybe they walk in some gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you can just tell they don't have first fruits. There's a lot of manipulation. There's a lot of things that they're dealing with, and it's it's kind of an overflow of wickedness, if you ask me. I don't know if what I'm saying making sense. It's different from like an addiction or something that someone is struggling with and they're genuinely fighting to come out of it. That's different from someone who is, you know, kind of like wallowing in sin, if that makes sense, and doesn't see anything wrong um, with it. And so there's a huge distinction between that. And I'm saying that because you cannot partake of Pentecost if you haven't partaken of um, unleavened bread and first fruits. Of course, if you haven't partaken of Passover, you definitely cannot partake of Pentecost, right? So these are all in sequence and the end goal of the destination is tabernacles and we need to understand what each of these things mean there you know we, we mapped everything out with their you know initial initial <laughs> initial <laughs> or first rehearsal their inauguration their um um their fulfillment in christ jesus and their fulfillment in us amen and so we looked at all of these so far under all of these lenses so we can understand how, when was Pentecost fulfilled? How do I get to experience Pentecost? And this is very critical that we need to know that, oh, just because something happened sometime in history, that doesn't mean that it's happened to you. And I say that because here we have, for example, Passover, right? Passover's initial rehearsal was in the book of Exodus uh, when the children of Israel were in Egypt and it was the very last plague of the 10 plagues. And after that plague, um, that was the first rehearsal. All the feasts were inaugurated in Leviticus 23, but get this, until Jesus died, that was, that was the fulfillment of Passover. But just because Jesus Christ has died, that doesn't mean you've partaken of Passover. Does that make sense? You actually have to give your life to Jesus. That's how it's fulfilled in you. Amen? The same thing with every one of these feasts, just because they have, just because Pentecost happened at some point in time, doesn't mean that it's fulfilled in you. You have to partake of it. Amen? And guess where we're going? We are going to the Feast of Trumpets. Hallelujah. Now, the Feast of Trumpets, um, another um, term um, for the Feast of Trumpets, or let me say like this, the Feast of Trumpets in Hebrew is Yom Teruah. And that means the day of shouting or the day of blasting. Amen. And it's about making this very loud um, vocal declaration, signaling or alarming um, someone about something. Amen. And it's about the imminence of tabernacle, the indwelling of God. Amen. Hallelujah. The this um, beautiful feast, I have posted a link on, on WhatsApp. Have I? I have, I have, I have. Yes, I have. Hallelujah. This feast is very unique also because it's also a little bit difficult to um, to describe and discern, simply because it's kind of like on the tail end of Pentecost. So I want to paint a picture here where I show you that each of these feasts, okay, um, Passover, 11 bread, first fruits, they are all again measures of the spirits of God, amen, infiltrating your soul. Hallelujah. And what each of these feasts do is that they kind of like are, it's like kind of like a gradient. So you can kind of see a little bit of Passover, the Passover experience in unleavened bread and in first fruits. Amen. And you kind of get a little bit of the first fruits experience in Pentecost. In fact, what I try to, what I, what I explained about Pentecost was that the Feast of Weeks actually is about you experiencing uh, measures of like waves of, 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 let me put it back on the screen, waves of, of the spirits of God from the, um, from the day your first fruits, um, you partake of the feast of, feast of first fruits. What I mean by that is that the Feast of Pentecost is about one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, amen, and then the day of Pentecost. And it's about this buildup 
from first fruits. So you have first fruits or first fruits as Holy Spirit is ministering to you. There's this buildup that brings to the place where all contrary voices are silent and only the Lord can speak to you. Amen. And the Lord speaking to you here is for the writing of the testimony upon your heart. And we describe this or we explain this or we illustrated this using the Jewish wedding feast of Kiddushin, the betrothal. betrothal. I don't know how to pronounce it. Amen. But that is not the only part of the Jewish wedding. Okay. So the erosino dedication or sanctification starts when the groom brings a ring to the bride with the intent of marriage and the two blessings are recited over wine. And then there's the betrothal blessing, however it's pronounced, which is that you are consecrated to me with this ring according to the law of Moses and Israel. And we explain that this is about the giving of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This is when someone receives the spirit of the Lord into their life. And the spirit of the Lord in the, um, be brought into your life means that there's no other voice speaking. So when the spirit of the Lord is ministering to you, there is no distraction, there is no distortion, it is the pure administration of the spirits of God in your life. And after this is the second part of marriage, which is the Nisuin. Um, this, um, but right before this happens, there is something interesting that happens before the chupa, before the wedding, the ketubah, the marriage contract, right? The law that was received, amen? Hallelujah, is read out loud for all to hear the terms of their marriage right before the consummation. And this is what the Feast of Trumpets is, amen? It is called the day of blasting, the day of shouting, Yom Teruah. It is also called Rosh Hashanah, meaning the head of the year, amen? You know about Rosh Hashanah that happened on September the 20, I think 23rd. We had our um, conference a day before um, we ended the day before Rosh Hashanah, or was it the day of? Um, let me look this up real quick. Sorry, give me one second. Rosh Hashanah 2022 was the 25th. I was correct. Yes, yes, yes. So the day immediately, immediately after our conference finished, we had Rosh Hashanah. And again, that means the Jewish New Year or the head of the year. Amen. And what happens um, during this feast is the celebration of of um, this new season that God has brought us into. And basically, once you get the Feast of Trumpets as a believer, it's pretty much game over for Satan. And what I mean by that is that you have come to a, a level of maturity so severe that everything just kind of cascades into um, tabernacles. And we'll explain how that happens here in a second. But to illustrate this, we need to look at a portion of scripture here, okay? And it is from the book of Revelations chapter five, amen? So we're going to read this here, and um, hopefully we can get some understanding of what the Feast of Trumpets is. Amen. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loosen its seals. Now, I want you to see this here this scroll that he has is kind of like the ketubah right the law of the spirit of life that was given to you okay now i don't want us to see it as sealed necessarily but i just want to see i want us to see that this law of the spirit of life in christ jesus amen was something that god held and god gave to the church okay and there's many reasons why what i'm saying you know is, is consistent with scripture and um anyways who is worthy to open the scroll loosen the seals no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy 
to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now, he's, he's, he's uh, making mention about, you know, he's referring to Jesus here when he says the lion of the tribe of Judah. But look at how Jesus Christ is described here, okay? He is described here, I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Hallelujah. Now, this is crucial because here you're seeing kind of like a fusion of different feasts. You're seeing the lamb pass over and you're about to see Pentecost and then trumpets here. And I'm going to show you what, what I mean by that, okay? The lamb obviously speaks of Passover, right? Hallelujah. He is a, he is a Passover lamb. But then the Bible says he has seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And if you remember what we said before, the seven spirits of God collectively are referred to as the spirits of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, yes. But then whenever the Holy Spirit manifests as the seven spirits of God, it is because there is no, you know, we've explained as the finger of God, that operation of, of the Holy Spirit, right? There is no other voice that's able to speak at the same time. Now, this operation of the finger of God has, like say, intensities, has um, degrees. And we can see that here in this scripture, amen? Jesus Christ did not just have um, the seven eyes the seven, of the seven spirits of God. He also had the seven horns. Now, someone asked, what on earth does that mean? Why does this concern us? Seven horns, seven eyes, what is the difference? It's seven spirits, yeah, amen? Now, the main difference is this, amen? The parable of the 10 virgins is a beautiful picture of what this, what this means here. So I'm going to open up that portion of the scripture, okay? Matthew chapter 25. I wish I had our video. We have a video about that coming up soon. I wish I had that ready here. We would just play this at the end, right? Because it has to do with um, a wedding feast too. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps. Now, whenever you see lamps in the scripture, making reference to, you could say salvation, yes, but really you're making reference to the seven eyes of God, amen? The seven spirits of God, amen? Whenever he's seen as a lamp, amen? It's seen as for illumination, for sight. Hallelujah, amen? So the seven spirits of God. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Interesting, you have wisdom, yet you'll be foolish. There's a lot to be said there, okay. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil, with them but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps and i'm very sure everyone here knows the story what happened at the end was that the decree was made and the wise ones had enough oil to keep their eyes ablaze sorry to keep the lamp burning bright you know these things from the parable you can understand what the bible is saying right the Bible is not speaking about them holding any lamp. It's about their spiritual eyes being enlightened. Amen. Some people, they came into the authority of the seven spirits of God. And because of this, they're able to endure darkness, dark seasons. Because the, this story here takes place at night, right? Um, the language here is, well, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. We can easily point to that as he's shouting, right? Um, or declaration of the ketubah, the bridegroom is coming, amen? That is actually what the day of blasting is about, that the Lord Jesus is about to be seen or he's been seen manifestly. And let me, let, me, let, me, let me phrase it like this. The fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets in us, amen, 
is about the alarm, amen, of Christ in you. When your, your soul comes into a striking awareness where the reality of God in you begins to alarm your soul, becomes a shocking reality that you're not just discovering through, um, you know, you're not looking through like this mirror darkly per se, there is now this like explosion, amen? It's not like flickers of light at night. It is now like, you know, being flooded with light. Illumination is very clear. Basically what's happening here is that the realities, the new creation reality, the new creation estate that we all have come into begins to alarm your soul constantly. As in, it is constantly like pricking at you. The, The language there is shouting. Your, your, your reality, the realities of Christ in you, they are shouting at you, as in there is a constant, amen? There is a, the language, the picture here is this. You know, you can be, um, the only reason why people, I explained this during the Daniel camp, the only reason why people die in fires is not because the fire burns them before they can wake up, it's because the smoke from the fire um, suffocates them. They die of a loss of oxygen, right? I think that's the reason why. If not for that reason, there is no one that would die, you know, from while sleeping in a fire. Usually people would die um, only because they were burnt to a crisp. Amen. Because I can assure you, once that thing begins to burn on any part of your body, right, you no matter how sleepy or tired you are, you will get up from your slumber, right, and begin to look for an exit. Amen. I think everyone will agree with me, right? The only reason why that doesn't happen is because they got knocked out. Hallelujah. So, there is the, the alarm of who we are in Christ, amen, that the Feast of Trumpets speaks of, where the realities of Christ in our spirit, man, are invading the soul en masse, amen, in a way beyond what you experience in Pentecost. And the fruit of this, amen, is the shouting, amen, the shouting. When I say the shouting, your soul is being alarmed. You see pictures of this in things like... Um, Joshua's um, um, assault on Jericho as, as, um, as directed by the Holy Spirit, where they walked seven times, you know, for seven days, they walked around Jericho, but on the seventh day, they walked around seven times. And after the seven times, they began to shout, amen? That shout, amen, was, amen, prophetically for us, it's about the declaration of who we are in Christ, Amen. And this is not just um, a one-time thing of I am Christ. So it's not, it's not about the English words per se. It is that reality dawning on us. Hallelujah. Now, that reality dawning on us speaks of an abundance of the spirits of God beyond what you have ever experienced before. Not just an increased measure. We're talking about exponentially. Amen. And I'm saying that because of the language used here. Amen. It says here, the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At mid- midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Amen. The Feast of Trumpets, amen, speaks of an abundance of the spirits of God in the soul. 
you know, a good way of explaining this is looking at prophets in the Old Testament. The prophets in the Old Testament, they were known for, the language for a prophet um, in the Old Testament was one that was anointed by God. So a man like Samuel, a man like Ezekiel, a man like um, Elijah, amen. And prophets were known to, let me see if I can find a verse of scripture that will show this to us, amen. Um, let me see if I can pull one out. Uh, um, let's us look real quick. So let's, um, um, first Samuel 16, this is a beautiful picture here, man. First Samuel 16, because let me phrase it like this. The feast of trumpets is like a core, almost like a coronation ceremony. Amen. Where who you are in Christ is dawning on. I, I don't know how to start to phrase this. God, I ask you Lord Jesus for utterance. Amen. Let me show you this image here in, um, in the first Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I provided myself a king amongst his sons. Now listen very closely, okay? This person that he's going to anoint has been fellowshipping with God ever since, right? Young David has been in, in dialogue with God, has been you know, walking in intimacy with God kill the lion and the bear and all that stuff, okay? In private and in secret. But now the prophet is going to now pour oil on him. And to pour oil, what does he take? He takes his horn. Now this horn that he's taking here, amen, is a ram's horn. This is what is used. What you call the shofar in ancient Israel is actually a ram's horn. I'm trying to show you that the shofar the ram's horn, okay, both of these things, they speak of an abundance of oil or an abundance of the spirits of God or the authority of the spirits of God beyond just ability to um, come into awareness, amen? The authority of the spirits of God, amen? That's what the piece of Trump is speaking about, where you as a believer, amen, you are coming into your real, your new creation estate, I almost said real estate, you're coming to your new creation estate by force. Your the spirit man's um the life force of your spirit man pushing up against your soul. For lack of a better word, it has broken through all of the different things that are hindering your soul from experiencing your life. And so, because of that, there is an alarm of the invasion of who you are in Christ into your soul. Does this make sense? Your consciousness is being seized from you. You find yourself not being able to do some things as a consequence of this invasion. This is called the Feast of Trumpets, amen? And the language used here in scripture, or this narrative in scripture here, the picture here is that when the horn is filled with oil, it is because a king is about to emerge. Does that make sense? A king is to be anointed. And usually God will instruct the, the prophet, go and do this quickly, right? Sometimes it's seen as maybe, um, portions of a robe, sometimes it's seen as, you know, maybe bread that's eaten or some kind of other spiritual ritual, but all of them speak about the unction, the oil, amen? This is where we go from holy priesthood at Pentecost to royal priesthood at the Feast of, Chap uh, Feast of um, and let me, you have to show this to us, amen? Holy priesthood and royal priesthood. First Peter chapter two, hallelujah. I'm going to show this to us from verse, um, let's look at verse, um, let's see. I think um, from verse four. 
coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Please, I want you to take note, okay? We are being built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. I'm going to say that again. A spiritual house, but a holy priesthood. I'm going to type this in the comment section, okay? Holy priesthood, okay? I'm going to keep this going. Hallelujah. To offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word which to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Hallelujah. So right there. We see here that there is the holy priesthood that comes from the place of consecration, the kind of consecration that you see in Pentecost. But then there is the overflow of your of the holy priesthood that brings you into government. The picture here of the priesthood of Melchizedek, right? The priest of Salem, but the king of righteousness. Amen. He's mastered righteousness. That comes from a lot of training in righteousness. The fruits of that mastery and righteousness that you are anointed a king. No one is crowned, right? Um, no one who strives for mastery is crowned unless he strives lawfully. So you have strived according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The fruit of that is royal priesthood. Amen. And you get that, amen, by partaking of the feast of trumpets. Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. Amen. So I'm using all these images here to paint a picture that I hope is clear. You're going from having the seven horns, from having the seven eyes alone, to having the seven horns. The difference between these two is that with the seven eyes, amen, you are becoming privy. Like Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter 1, that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, amen, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us all who believe. But then the seven horns, amen, speaks of the authority, amen of the seven spirits of God, amen? This is what you see, for example, in Isaiah chapter 61, right? Where you're building up the lost, the um, generation, the, the whatchamacallit, Isaiah 61. And I wanna say something I think is very important, amen? Huh, good timing, huh? <laughs> the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities. Beloved, the language here, so I'm gonna leave it on my purpose anything here because there is no power here in the room. Okay, I think power just came back in a second. My lights will trip on, that's good. Hallelujah. What happens here, beloved, hallelujah, is that 
you as a believer, amen, all of the, the, you are not, I'm going to phrase it like this. This is where you have gone beyond engagement of a portion of scripture, engagement of a portion of your heritage, amen, to the place where your inheritance is overwhelming you, is flooding you, is invading your personal space. Does that make sense? The language I can best use is alarm. You are being constantly alarmed about who you are in Christ, not the words of it, the experience of it. You see this with Jesus when he was on the earth. You keep on seeing Jesus Christ as he's walking around. He will keep on, you know, broadcasting, you know, who he is. For Abraham was I am, right? Father, give me the glory I have with you before the world began, right? I can only do what I see my father doing, amen? My father and I are one. What was happening was that he was discovering, this was beyond what happened at the Jordan River when, he, when the spirit came and rested upon him like a dove, amen? The authority that he came into, amen, over time by fellowship and even deeper interaction with the spirits of God, amen, brought into a place of authority, amen? I think there's language in there when he came out from the wilderness that suggests that Jesus Christ went into the wilderness, amen, was driven in by the Holy Spirit, but he returned with the power thereof. I want us to, I don't know if you can see the difference between these two. Is what I'm saying making sense? I want to make sure what I'm saying is being understood, amen? This is, this is what comes right before the Nisui, amen, the second part of the Jewish wedding. The reason why this is a little bit difficult to explain is because just like how the first three feasts, the spring feasts, are all kind of clumped together. I'm talking about Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Amen. It will seem as though the last three feasts, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles, are also clumped together. Amen. In other words, it's kind of difficult to distinguish the three of them. Just like how it's very difficult to distinguish between Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Amen. No one is responding on the chat, so I'm guessing that what I'm saying is not being readily understood. Amen. But I'm going to keep on charting the chorus forward, anyways. Hallelujah. The seven eyes correspond to Pentecost, and the seven horns correspond to the Feast of Trumpets. Amen. This is when the wedding declarations are shouted under the chupa. Hallelujah. And Leviticus 23 is where we have this inauguration. So we're going to go to Leviticus 20, chapter 23 real quick. Leviticus 23. Hallelujah. Let me open this up here on my this Bible here that has them broken down into portions. Thank you. Leviticus, I might have the power chip off again. Leviticus 23 from verse... 23. Ooh, 23, 23. Well, then. It says here, the Lord said to Moses, speak to children of Israel, saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the seventh month, huh? Look at that. Fullness, right? Perfection, right? You shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Hallelujah. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Do you see that? So notice how it, it seems like just blowing of the trumpets, just a Sabbath day, amen? It's actually a day of you entering into rest with God, but the rest is forced on you. I want to explain what's happening on the Feast of Trumpets, amen? Feast of Trumpets here, it's almost like it is as a consequence of completing the Feast of Pentecost. What happens to you is that when you have finished taking Pentecost, amen, when you have, ha, ha, when you have digested, amen, the 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 law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, when the seven spirits of God are finished working on you, what now happens is that they hijack your soul. Does that make sense? God arrests you as a person. That is when the, the language in the scriptures that suggests that in 1 Corinthians 2, for example, amen, that um, 
there are some things that have been freely given to us by God, amen, that the Spirit of God reveals to us, amen. If you read first, first Corinthians chapter 2, you know what I'm talking about, amen. Maybe we just go there because of time, amen. First Corinthians 2 paints this narrative that's really beautiful that I think is essential for every believer to be familiar with, amen. It says here, God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, he has the deep things of God, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man who is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the spirits of God. Now we have received not the spirits of the world, but the spirits who is from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now, what's going to be happening during the Feast of Trumpets? Beautifully. Someone is saying here, yes, yes. The trumpet signifies when a believer is walking in the fullness of his, in Christ's realities, experientially. Yes. What's happening that these realities are shouting at you. Does that make sense? They are alarming you. You're not now on the place of discovery. It's like you discovered something and you open the treasure chest and it hits you in the face. Does that make sense? It blasts you. That is why it's called the day of shouting, the day of blasting. During that feast, amen. The ketubah, the marriage contract, amen, is read out loud before the chupa, which is the wedding day, amen? And that's, it's something that happens repeatedly. They are shouting the marriage contract. You are married to this person. You will do this in your marriage. You will do this. And what's happening is that the alarm, amen, is caused by the spirits of God. There's a verse in Joel chapter 2 that says, blow the, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Trumpets speak of, amen, alarm. So the Feast of Trumpets is the alarm, amen? I think of this woman, Jane Lade's um, 60 Propositions, amen? Yes. Let me read this, okay? The presence of the divine ark, I'm going to say, I'm just going to read this, okay? The presence, and God will, God will have mercy on me, amen? I, I, I don't think I have authority to read this woman's stuff. Or to, anyways, the unsealing, the presence of the, the divine ark will constitute the Philadelphian church, Wherever the Philadelphian church is, the ark is. The unsealing of the living testimony within the ark of the Lord must begin, <laughs> one was laughing, must begin the propagation of the everlasting gospel of the kingdom of God. The proclamation of this testimony of the kingdom will be as by the sound of a trumpet to alarm all the nations of the earth and more especially all the professions of Christianity because they will be attended to by the acting of all wonders and signs. So what she's saying here is that, have no fear. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm saying it because usually, I don't, anyways, it's difficult to explain the words that she says. That's the truth. I've tried explaining these things before and I get so exhausted trying to, amen? Um, you know, other utterance to really tackle some of these things. But she, she spoke about alarm, amen? And the alarm will come by the invasion of signs and wonders, amen? The reality of who you are in Christ, amen, will be invading your soul. You'll be having, this is not you having a prophetic encounter. This is not you raising someone from the dead alone, amen. These things will be happening, but the volume, it will be exponential beyond spiritual gifts, amen, beyond what you can afford with spiritual gifts. You are, you're, you're, I, I would say this during the Daniel camp, or like, so, I think it was Andrew that said this, your Jesusness will be so difficult to deny because it will be shouting at you. Does that make sense? The first person that will be alarmed due to the Feast of Trumpets is you. Your, it's not just, you know, this, we have experiences. I'm sure we've all had experiences of this before, right? When as a believer, amen, yes, yes. As a believer, 
Maybe after you first got born again, the joy of who you are in Christ, you begin to tear up, you begin to cry. That is the festival, right? Now, there is a festival of festivals. That is a feast of trumpets, where that place where you are just breaking down in tears, you know, in celebration of what God has done, this feast is about shouting. It's like they crank the volume all the way up. In fact, the language here is not just you shouting with your mouth, but shouting with a trumpet. In Jewish culture, the shofar is believed to be the voice of God. That is why when someone wants, when a king's about to be anointed, they use oil from the horn and pour it on there. And what that means is that you have received a portion of the word of God. That oil corresponds to a portion of God's word for a specific period of time. Once that oil dries up, that word has come to an end. You know how the Bible says that God has divided the ages, God has framed the ages by his word. When you pour oil from that thing, amen, a portion of God's word comes out or if a set of ages, a period of time, is poured out upon you. If you're fruitful with that, you get more oil and you lengthen your stay, right? But if not, it stays shortened, okay? So what's happening here is that the, the shofar is believed to be the speaking of God. The Feast of Trumpets, amen, is when God is swearing oaths inside of you. You can hear the oaths of God. I want to say like this. This is kind of like what, I believe this is what's happened to many of the tes- um, Old Testament saints. They weren't able to come into tabernacles yet because their spirits were dead, amen? Hallelujah. But for some, in a, in, a, in a measure, you can see shadows of this in the Old Testament. A good example of this is this man, Abraham. This man, Abraham, our ancestor, right? Let me read um, um, when God could swear by no one great. This is the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. From verse 12. Verse 13. For what, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. You can see like the emotion in the heart of God. You can see, let me open up Genesis 22 from verse 15. God said, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiply. Now, they could, their own trumpets was not unto what we as believers get to experience in the New Testament, amen? Because God is saying, of a surety, I will bless you. Our own is not, God will bless you, amen? Your own trumpet is, you have been blessed. Does that make sense? Their own was that because they counted God as faithful and God swore to them, they believed what he said, right? And they died seeing the promises afar off. We're not going to be seeing the promises afar off. That is not the Feast of Trumpets. Feast of Trumpets is that the promises are inside of you and they are electrocuting you. It is almost, the language I like using um, to describe this is that it's almost painful how real God is to you. How real, I want to say how real God is to you, how real God inside of you is. It is not something, you don't have to, you know how we have to labor to enter into rest? You're not laboring anything. God is laboring inside of you. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. I hope everyone getting the picture here, amen? Let me show the picture, another narrative here of God swearing an oath again. The angel Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, saying, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sands on the sea. So you see God swearing oaths, amen, because God has been provoked. Does that make sense? This is what happens inside of us during the Feast of Trumpets. Now, the reason why it's so difficult to describe, what major reason why is because we haven't experienced this yet corporately, amen? This feast has not been fulfilled um, as far as um, in, in time yet. 
Now, the dress rehearsal, we read that. We read the first, the inauguration in Leviticus 23 earlier on. The first time it happened, the closest thing you can, what can you refer? There's no official time you can point at per se and say this was the first um, Feast of Trumpets um, rehearsal per se. You can point at, again, Joshua um, and the conquest against Jericho, right? But really, inauguration is the first one, right? That's a dress rehearsal, okay? In Christ Jesus, you could see the picture of alarm on, I would say, the mountain of transfiguration, amen? It's difficult to ascertain where exactly because you don't see an explicit picture of Jesus Christ um, in that way, if that makes sense. The Gospels, um, you can't see that narrative being captured explicitly or expressly. I can't. Let me see. I can't. Let me say you can't. You might be able to. If you can't, please let me know. Amen. I don't what I'm saying. But the closest thing I will point at here is Mount Transfiguration. When God said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Because what happens is that when you have the seven horns, amen, not just the seven eyes, something happens to you. Amen. And this is the language I want us to see in the book of Revelations chapter one. Hallelujah. Revelations chapter one. Let's see now from verse. Uh, let's start from verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice. So this is shouting as of a trumpet saying. So what's happening here now is that the person that has experienced this feast, their voice, amen, is like the voice of a trumpet. This is what Janine was speaking about. When the body of Christ, when the man-child company, she was talking about the man-child company. When the man-child company, amen, partakes of this feast, what happens is that when they speak, they alarm not just the world, the nations of the world, but specifically the body of Christ. What happens is that through this feast, the language that she used here was that you will silence all denominations. You will, you will silence all contradictions because the clarity, the best way I can describe this is like, you know, when um, Moses came to the elders of Israel and he showed them the signs, he called God's name, summoned God's name, and then God responded. Then he, he did the thing with the staff. It became a serpent. He did the thing with his hand, put his hand in his cloak. Amen. But it became leprous. They put it back in and it became fresh, brand new, resurrection power, right? All, the acting of all signs of wonder that she captured here, amen, is going to be one of the, one of the many things that will be used to dispel doubts in the body of Christ. This will not just be one or two signs and wonders per se. Maybe I should just show the language in the scriptures here. Joel chapter 2. I, I, I'm saying this because we don't... We partake of the Feast of Trumpets before Jesus Christ descends physically to the earth. So what a mental company. We partake of the Feast of Trumpets before Jesus Christ descends physically to the earth and before the age to come. So everything is going to happen prior to Jesus Christ's return. Let me show us the scripture here, okay? Blow the trumpet in Zion. Hallelujah. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come great and strong, the likes of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. 
a fire devours before them and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the land of the Garden of Eden before them and behind them a desolate wilderness. This is a reference to the body of Christ that has partaken of the feast of trumpets. Amen. What happens that wherever they go, there is a herald. Amen. That goes before them, announcing their presence. Amen. Alarming the nations, but specifically alarming the body of Christ. They are being alarmed. Amen. Of who they are in Christ. But the fruit of that is that they bear witness to what's happening on the inside of them. Everyone has been alerted of the reality happening on the inside. Does all this make sense? Hallelujah. It's a little difficult to describe, but again, it's because of this picture here, amen? These feasts are so closely tied together. Now, all of this is happening because of one simple thing, amen? Because you have partaken, amen, of the Feast of Pentecost, you have begun to, you've already um, received the initiation for being written upon. We explained what Pentecost was, right? Where you're partaking, you're um, receiving the betrothal, the Kiddushin, the Jewish, the first part of the Jewish wedding, right? Where you're receiving the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, right? Where you're receiving the finger of God to write upon you, the testimony, amen? When the testimony has been written, then comes the alarm. Does that make sense? The difference between trumpet and tabernacle. Beautiful, beautiful question, amen? There's, a, there's actually a very significant difference, amen? The difference between um, the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Trumpets, in fact, even the Feast of um, um, Feast of Day of Atonement, amen? They have three completely different feasts, amen? Tabernacles comes, amen, in the age to come. The very last day of this present, this present age, amen? That last day is the Feast of Tabernacles, amen? Um, you could point at, okay, I'm going to leave that alone. But the Day of Atonement comes with Jesus Christ physically descending upon the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. The Day of Atonement, amen, is the physical descent of Jesus Christ upon the church, amen? After Jesus Christ descends physically, amen, upon the earth, he's going to come not just by himself, but he's going to come with all the saints of old, amen? He's going to come with a cloud of witnesses. He's going to come with all the angels of God, amen? When that happens, that is what is, that is what is referred to as the Day of Atonement. We're going to get into that tomorrow and tabernacles as well. Amen. So I want us to make sure we understand this. Okay. Before Jesus Christ returns, we have tabernacles. Amen. The day of atonement is Jesus Christ returning, returning to the earth physically. And after Jesus Christ returns to the earth physically, tabernacles, amen, is what is going to segue us into the age to come. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Is there any question? I feel like there should be questions revolving around this. Amen. If you've been listening. Unless you're just, <laughs> hallelujah. You know, we had um, the camp, um, the children's camp recently. And there's one or two people that were, you know, I could just tell they didn't understand what I was saying. So I'll keep on asking, do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? So finally, one of them confessed. I said, I don't understand. I said, since when? By the time they mentioned where I said, wonderful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hallelujah. So please don't be afraid to ask questions if you don't understand. Amen. Um, it's gonna, somebody needs to help me as well to make sure I'm speaking Questions sometimes present a different vernacular from what I'm used to. There's a way I process things, the way I think, and then the question that I ask the Lord. But when I hear someone else's questions, they introduce many times a different vernacular that I might never have seen. And many times they help me understand the scriptures. I'll give a quick example. I always thought that the Revelations 12 narrative, amen, was always about evicting Satan from the air. 
Amen. I only recently realized that it was actually about evicting Satan from the church. Amen. Revelation 12 narrative is primarily concerned with the cleansing of the body of Christ. Amen. Once the body of Christ has been cleansed, then comes the bowls of wrath. Amen. And as they are poured out, they are poured out into the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Does everyone understand what has been said so far? The Feast of Trumpets, amen, is about the alarm of who you are in Christ. This comes, amen, by the writing of the testimony. Because you partook of Pentecost, amen, because you partook of Pentecost, hallelujah, that is the reason why you're able to experience the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of, of, of Pentecost, amen, it brings you up into the mountain, into Mount Sinai, like Moses did, amen, but this time for us is Mount Zion, right? To Mount Zion, where you receive the blood of sprinkling onto your heart. This is not just dealing with one issue in your life or doing anything in your, in your life per se. So that means trumpet signifies believers walking in their realities. Well, atonement is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yes, because we the believers ask him to come. Yes. And tabernacle is our marriage feast with him. Thank you. Yes. Okay. And this feast, amen, it breaks us into, amen, the new, the next age, the age to come. Amen. Hallelujah. And in the ages to come, the tabernacle just begins to bring out things. Hallelujah. I don't blow <laughs> the trumpet in Zion. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I think it means like it's gone popular. Hallelujah. I hope everyone understands. So let me just go over everything again, okay? Feast of trumpets, amen. The alarm of who you are in Christ, amen. It is almost impossible to deny. This feast, along with atonement and tabernacles, are right next to each other. I personally believe that every single believer, amen, all the saints, I mean, every single apostle, also all the 12 apostles, except, yes, all the 12 apostles of the Lamb, amen, except, except for Judas, obviously, amen, so my Paul, Peter, James, John, amen, I believe that they partook of this feast, amen, hallelujah, their desire was to, by any means, experience the resurrection of the dead, hallelujah, and that would only come after atonement, when it has been, <coughs> excuse me, when atonement clocks in in history. Amen. So we're going to have a fulfillment of the feast of, we had a fulfillment of the feast of Pentecost so far, but that has been the last feast we've had on the earth that has been fulfilled like en masse, corporately. What I mean by that is that we had Passover fulfilled when Jesus Christ died on the cross. We had Pentecost fulfilled, amen, when the Holy Spirit men came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But the Feast of Tabernacles, I mean, for the, yeah, Feast of Tabernacles hasn't happened yet. Neither has the Feast of Atonement be fulfilled. Neither has the Feast of Trumpets. Now, irrespective of everything I just said now, amen, all of these feasts are on the inside of you right now as a believer, and you can eat on, of whatever you want. Does that make sense? All of these things speak of intensities, amen, degrees of exposure, degrees of invasion of the spirits of God into your soul. There is a measure of the Holy Spirit's invasion into your soul that qualifies you as partaking of the Feast of Trumpets. Amen. There is a measure that corresponds to the Feast of Pentecost. There is a measure which is a fullness, which is tabernacles. Amen. I explained this before when I was speaking about the seven bowls, the seven trumpets, and the seven seals. Amen. That the seven seals, the book of Revelation, the seven, inside of the seventh seal, as the seventh seal is being broken, amen, that is when the seven trumpets begin to sound. The seventh seal is not fully broken until after all seven trumpets have sounded. Here's this, okay? 
The seven trumpets, okay, as they are sounding, the very last trumpet, the seven trumpets, it doesn't just sound once. You know, we have in our minds that at the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise again. That is not exactly how it will play out. In our minds, we read those scriptures and we have an initial conception, amen, what the Bible is saying. But we get those usually from one or two scriptures taken out of context. Usually they're parabolic too, amen. The Feast of Trumpets is going to, the, sorry, the seven trumpets is going to last for several days. You see this in Revelation chapter 10. When the angel said, in the days of the sounding of the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God will be finished. That means the seventh trumpet is going to last for a very long time. Can I say something? The seventh trumpet is called the long sounding trumpet. I'm going to use that to end everything I've said so far. Amen. This is a theme you're going to see all throughout the Bible. We are going to start off, first of all, with the book of Exodus chapter 19. Please forgive me. We're taking a little bit longer than we normally do. And it's because I want to make sure this is understood. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's see here. Okay, verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, go down, hallelujah, to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let, uh-oh, this is not the right verse. This is not the, yes, it is, okay, yes, yeah. Um, okay, yes. Go to people, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready for the third day. On the third day, the Lord will come out upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether man or beast. He shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. Does that, do you see that? So it's like there's these barricades, amen, surrounding the mountain where Israel's holy priesthood is where Israel's royal priesthood is, amen? But when the trumpet sounds long, then they can go up into the mountain. Just hold that thought, okay? Let's jump real quick to the book of Joshua. Hallelujah. Chapter six. Hallelujah. Now Jericho was securely shot up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. I want you to see the parallel between Mount Sinai. God said, set bounds around Mount Sinai. Let no one come near it. Don't, if anyone touches it, shoot them with an arrow. Kill them, basically. That means no one can go, can touch the mountain. You're seeing a similar narrative here with Jericho, okay? And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king, the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns. Can you see? Okay, the trumpets are actually ram's horns, okay? So seven horns, seven eyes before the ark, but the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast. Can everyone see that? The key thing here is the long blast, right? The long sound, amen? The long sounding trumpets, okay? When you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all people shall shout with a great shout, the day of shouting. That's what literally what Yom Teruah is, amen? When you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him so you have sinai right where the trumpet sounds long the barricade comes down you can go up 
here is Jericho, right? When you blow the trumpet, okay, the long sounding trumpet, then we'll have everyone shout, and then the city walls fall flat, and everyone shall go up. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, so you can now see why in Revelation chapter 11, hallelujah, Revelation chapter 11, let's see now, from verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, notice how before, when the seventh trumpet sounded, they shouted loud. Uh oh, sorry. Okay, light is back. That was quick. Okay, because they switched from Jan to Nepa. But I'm still not at full brightness. So let me wait for that to come in. We need a seven trumpet sounding. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. In Jericho, when the seventh, as it were, um, con Jericho conquest. Amen. When the seventh trumpet, when the seventh, yes, when the when they go around on the seventh time, they sounded long. Amen. So again, what, what was I trying to say here? Yes. After the trumpet sounded long, there were loud voices, right? And they shouted. And when they shouted, the barricades came down and they went in. Now you're seeing the Bible giving voice to the shouting. There were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. In other words, the things that were holding the, the soul captive the dominion of this world holding the souls of people have been replaced by the grip of God in the heart. Is everyone listening? That is the alarm on the inside of you. The way Satan tempts you, the way of um, the things of this world are stealing your joy, different things like that. You're going to be having God stealing you. Amen. God will be stealing you from you. Your consciousness will be robbed. You, you experience a robbing of your own consciousness. The aware, your, 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 what you refer to as your self-awareness will be robbed of you. Amen. You will not have any cognizance of the old man anymore. It will be robbed of you by the spirits of God. Okay. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their throne fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O God, Lord Almighty, who, who is and who was and who is to come, because you've taken your great power and reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead they should be judged, that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. Notice how barricades are down. People can go up. Amen. In fact, the language, if you read Revelation 11, this is the end of Revelation 11. Immediately after this, you see the woman in the sky. That means that what? The church has gone up. Is everyone listening? So you're being seated in heavenly places in Christ. Amen. Is now forced on you. Does that make sense? It's already forced on you in your spirit's man, right? It's already a reality you can access right now in your spirit's man, amen? But even those interactions, amen, because like I like what Paul said, now, let's, let's go there, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think it's the best way of explaining this, amen? Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. Now, this is Apostle Paul speaking, the one that was praying for Ephesians church to have their eyes enlightened. Amen. The one that was saying that we feel knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, the one that said that God has made known to us. Amen. Let me read that Ephesians 1. I think he said Ephesians 1. It's so scary. He was wondering, what the heck is this guy saying? Paul said, having made known unto us 
having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed himself, in all wisdom and prudence. The person I said in all wisdom and prudence, look what he says about himself. He says, now we see through a mirror dimly. I don't know if what you're, what you're seeing, this is beyond signs and wonders, as in a snake bites you and the thing falls off. The guy that I experienced that is saying, I'm seeing dimly. Is everyone listening? Like that doesn't qualify as, <laughs> that's not even, that is not even, that, those, those things are almost on the outskirts. Is everyone listening? This is why when we have these pictures of Satan and Jesus Christ arm wrestling, you can tell it's because of it, it's because of dullness of mind. Such a thing can even be conceived. Jesus and Satan are not on the same level at all. Is everyone listening? There are angels that can deal with Satan. Is it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. No matter what you see and experience here, it's still dimly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amen. Dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Can everyone see this? This is what Paul is pointing to here. Amen. I hope we're, I hope we're seeing a picture here of where your, your, your seen Apostle Paul, all the different things that he experienced, they were almost, they were not even scratching the surface. Trumpets, amen, is when the Lord reaches out, amen, and hijacks your soul from you and arrests you. I hope what I'm saying is making sense, amen. I don't know what I just said made sense, amen. But the barricades are down, amen. The veils have been dropped because the testimony, man, the temple of God has been opened and the ark of his testament was seen in the temple. Hallelujah. Amen. I think I can stop right there. Amen. That is, amen, our quick one run through the Feast of Trumpets. Amen. We are going to jump into the Feast of Atonement and Tabernacles at the same time. Amen. The key to understanding all of these feasts is understanding that what is actually happening to all of us is that we are being married to God. We are becoming priests. We are becoming the, temp the tabernacle or the temple of God. So we are being married. We are becoming priests and we're becoming the tabernacle. I'm going to say it again. We are married. We are priests and we are the tabernacle. These three themes are what the feast is about. Now I'm saying all of them in present and future tenses because all of these meals they are coming and now is what i mean by that is all of these things are inside of us right now amen right after this meeting is done you can begin to partake of whatever you we can dine however you want to honestly speaking that's the crazy thing about the christian walk it is i'm feeling authority on that amen hallelujah thank you jesus amen thank you jesus Heavenly Father, we thank you for access in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for access in the name of Jesus. I'm, I just saw a vision of this verse of scripture. We see in it, Jesus, you know what I just saw now? I saw, us, I saw myself looking in a mirror but I couldn't see the face, but I could see the person's hair burning with fire. I'm just seeing that that's what Paul was saying. We see the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. I am telling, I know what I, know, I, know what I just saw now. It was kind of scary. I was wondering, is this, a, is this from God? Is this from the devil? I saw someone looking in a mirror, 
their face was almost blacked out, but then hair. I could see the person's hair was shining, like um, Revelations 1, hair white as wool, but it was fire. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sight in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We receive sight in the name of Jesus. We come to understanding in the name of Jesus. I'm seeing the person has writings all over their body. Hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe it's Moses. Maybe. <clears throat> that makes sense, right? Moses Jr. the thick darkness where God was. And God said, you cannot see my face and live. Okay, maybe that is Moses. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Amen. Fascinating. Fascinating. Amen. Hallelujah. Hmm. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ripping apart of veils by your blood, by your word. Because, Lord Jesus, because your, your flesh was torn, the veil was torn. We get to partake of you as our Passover, Lord Jesus. We get to partake of you, Lord Jesus, as our unleavened bread, as our first fruits, Lord Jesus. We get to partake of you as our Pentecost. We get to partake of you as our, our, our Feast of Trumpets, Lord God, as our Yom Teru, as our shouting, as our loud blast. We get to partake of you as our atonement, and we get to partake of you as our tabernacles. We say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So um, next time we meet, um, we will talk about atonement and trumpets, and we'll be ending everything this Wednesday. We are excited for tomorrow. Hallelujah. Because I am still a little bit like in awe of what I just saw. Because tomorrow we have, Tarika says, Moses is the law and the law is written on him. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Absolutely, yes. I suspect it's a, it's a, it's a witness of Moses. Absolutely, absolutely. Because there's so many scriptures that tie into that. Um, you cannot see my face and live. Moses desiring to see God's face. Wow. Amen. The burning bush. Because I'm seeing the person's hair with fire. Interesting. Interesting. I think what I'm seeing here is that Moses was seeing God's face. Maybe Moses was seeing God's face. As a man speaks to his friend, but Moses is not able to see his face. He's seen all the other features of God, but he's not able to see God's face. And so he keeps on crying. Will you show me your face? Show me your glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think I'm getting the picture now. <laughs> I believe it is Moses. Amen. Okay. What I'm seeing is a hunger. A hunger for the face of God. A lack of satisfaction with not seeing the face of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm seeing a heart posture that is unsatisfied. Like Paul said, I see in a glass dimly, but then face to face. There is a reaching for clarity, a reaching for seeing the face of God, a lack of satisfaction, a hunger to go through the feasts, hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we receive hunger in the name of Jesus. We receive hunger and thirst for righteousness in the name of Jesus. We will not be satisfied, Lord God, with the feasts that we have already had, Lord. Be, Lord Jesus, an alarm in our hearts, letting us know the bridegroom is coming. Let there be an invitation, Lord Jesus, a beckon and initiation, Lord God, into deeper levels of hunger and thirst for righteousness in the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord, for genuine hunger. Yes, I was saying as I was leading into, that was my prayer today as well. Wow. I was asking for hunger when we were praying. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for hunger. Lord, we thank you for hunger, Lord God. Let hunger, maybe that's what this angel, I think that's an angel I saw. It makes you wonder who God is. The spirit of fear of the Lord makes you wonder who God is. Who is this God? Who is like God? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. Let us become become um, 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 holy seekers and loving inquirers, Lord God. Let us search for the deep darkness where God is. Let us, let us leave our comfort zone and pursue you. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Wow, that was beautiful, beautiful. Wow, thank you all so, isn't that wonderful? Look at the body at work, amen? Hallelujah, every joint is supplying. Thank you so much, everyone. So grateful y'all got to be a part of this. Um, tomorrow is open book. How many of you were blessed by last week's? I was tremendously blessed, my goodness. I remember like, I, was, I think I was on Saturday, I was praying. I, I just found the words like, you know, um, when animals, they chew, these, these animals that have multiple stomachs, they keep on chewing the same meal. It's so difficult to not pray, you know, when you hear some things, amen? You, you find yourself being stirred, you're on, almost on speed dial, just automatic redial, amen? I wanna encourage you to join us um, tomorrow at 8 p.m. And um, this has been fun. We have also been um, praying every morning at 6. I am so sorry I couldn't join you all this morning. We have prayers tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I could join you all this morning. I was so exhausted from yesterday. We had the camps, and I was exhausted. I really was. Um, but we look forward to tomorrow morning when we have our watches. And then um, I do want to also make sure I sound the alarm um, concerning um, registration for our beloved... Um, Immersion Teen and Youth Conference, beloved. Our theme is called Father of Lights, amen. It's a beautiful song by Jesus Culture. I'm gonna release a trailer very soon that um, um, basically just a little video on that that I think will build up appetite towards this. It's gonna be really explosive. We're really trusting the Lord. Um, I want to invite y'all also, we have, I don't have a flyer for this, I'm gonna create one, but we have these prayer stretches. I am telling you, I think once you cross six hours was kind of like a warm up. This 12 hours, it did something to me. I know what I'm saying. Um, let me pull up here the schedule for when this next 12 hours is happening. We're having to, please don't be afraid. You won't die. <laughs> the children did not die. You also will not die, amen? Our 12 hours um, kicks off, our 24 hours, sorry, kicks off November the 10th, amen? So I want to encourage you, November 10th through 11, we might make, I don't think we can make it third through fourth because all of us now right now, we're kind of drained, amen? So next week, next week thursday into saturday amen i can just imagine what phb will be like after that <laughs> good luck standing up hallelujah um, but we're going to be praying for the immersion during these times amen where these children will be discovering these young people and these old people will be discovering that they are the offspring amen of the father of light hallelujah thank you jesus so um thank you so much for joining us beloved Pastor Francis says his greeting and his love, and um, I'm excited to see um, to receive um, what the Lord has been cooking for us, amen, this entire time. So um, I want to invite you again to spend some time in the Lord's presence, um, even after this ends. Jesus loves you, beloved. Have a good night. <laughs>